In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who does give us their all, His all, our Lord's all. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it appears that I was a little bit hasty in my reaction last week in saying that nobody had filled out any of the sheets or any of the things online that I had asked for you all to fill out to help this Lent Out Loud thing go on. In fact, some of you came up to me after the service and you said, um, I did send something in. And I was able to actually go back and find those. I just uh, had had a problem with the notification. And so tonight, we're going going to be taking a look at the story of Jesus and Mary, and we're going to be taking a look at it with both of the responses that we didn't talk about last time and the responses for today. And so it'll be an interesting little amalgamation of all of those responses, six of them in all. And so uh, when I saw that it was six and that four of those had come in uh, for today, I thought, wow, I should have tried guilt a long time ago. Uh, But tonight we get to revel in this last Wednesday evening that we have together, this last Wednesday evening where we're going to be considering this Lenten journey that we have before we come upon Holy Week. And the thing that we're talking about is that gospel story that I just read. The gospel story of when Jesus came back to Bethany. To give you a little bit of a sense of time here, this was after Jesus had raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. He had done this great miracle that had proven the faith of the people that had faith in him and had made question some of the people that didn't have faith in him. And if you remember back to that story, you have this interchange between Lazarus' family, Martha and Mary. And they even accuse him of not getting there quick enough. They even say, Lord, if you had been here, then this would not have happened. But it did. And then Jesus comes in and he fixes that problem. Just as he eventually will fix all of our problems by resurrecting us from the dead into a resurrection of eternal life. But as we approach that story tonight, I asked you the question, or rather, I asked you to fill out the statement, I can give my all. Before we get into that, started off with one from last week. And last week I asked you to fill out, I wish I could go back. And this one seemed to really actually strike at some of what Mary might have been experiencing. I will, get, I will wish I could go back. I wish I could go way, way back and tell Eve to leave that apple on the tree. Or at least tell Adam not to pay any attention to her. Or if not, so far back, at least tell Newton that when he saw an apple fall from the tree, the God made gravity. If I could go back just a moment, from this very moment, I would say, thank you, Lord, 
for all of the wonderful gifts that you have given us and are creating in our present lives and that you have promised us eternity. And the last part of that really struck me as something that Mary might have been experiencing. Sure, she had stuff in her past, but maybe if she got stuck at some point, especially around the time when her kinsman Lazarus had died, maybe she was struck with the just the thought that maybe the best thing that she could go back to is just a few moments ago when she was able to give thanks. Maybe something that she had forgotten to do just a few moments ago. And how often is that the case for us? How often do we think to ourselves, did I go through the day without giving any thanks to God? Did I go through my day without recognizing God's fingerprints in my day? If I could go back, could I go back and give thanks? And it appears that that is what Mary is doing. We're not really sure where this comes from. It seems to be one of those mysterious actions that people have in their lives where all of a sudden, unannounced, Mary seems to walk into the room that her rabbi is, her master is, and kneel at his feet and then break a jar of this ointment over his feet, a jar of ointment that costs about a year's wages. And she washes his feet with it. And she dries it with her hair to say thank you. The next one from the I Wish I Could Go Back series was kind of interesting. I'm not sure if this is what you're looking for, so if it's not, feel free not to include it in the sermon or edit it. It was something I needed to think about anyways. Which is really part of the purpose of doing this, is so that it's not just always me talking, always you listening, but that you're able to consider these things before we even come together. And so thank you to the person that did this. They continue, there's a list a mile long at least of the things I wish I could go back and change mistakes that I've made and sins I've committed there's also a list of the same length of the things I wish I could experience again and again hugs from my family and friends I love yous the intense feeling of the power of God in my life after enduring a week long retreat focused for the most part solely on him Having said that, I'm happy with the present. It's a time filled with new friends, new adventures, and a time of spiritual growth, along with the daily struggles that accompany my life, of course. Being at a time in my life where I'm closest to God in my day-to-day life than I have ever been, that's something that I don't want to lose. As much as there are many times I would like to return to the past, I don't want to return to that place where God was only thought about on Sundays. I'm still not focused on God as much as I should be, but this adventure of growing closer and closer to Him is something that makes the present worth living in and brings hope for an even better future. That sense of 
living in the present even despite the past is something that Mary must have had. If you don't know it already, if you haven't heard it already, one of the things in historic Christianity and the way that this text has historically been seen was that Mary was, well, she wasn't your average church girl. In fact, some people have even gone so far as to say that Mary was involved in some business transactions that she should not have been. That Mary had enough money to buy this 300 denarii flask of perfume because she was a lady who made her living by putting on perfume and going out at night. That's what some people have thought of Mary, and we don't know if that's the case or not, but if it was, you can imagine the list of regrets that had been a mile long for her. The list of things that she had thought, I wish I would never go back to that. And yet, just as anybody would, she also probably looked back at all of those times in her life that had been so beautiful. All of the times that she had been able to spend with family and friends. All of the times that she had received hugs not for pay. Not the embrace of a man that was going to use her, but the embrace of a father or of a mother or a brother or a sister or a friend. You can certainly imagine how much she must have cherished those memories. And she had some of those memories even in this Lord, in this Jesus whose feet she was anointing. This man who had accepted her for what she was. No matter if that was what people thought that she was, if she truly was a woman of the night, or if she was just a wealthy woman, Jesus loved her regardless. It didn't matter. He had loved her. And now he was sitting in her house. And she knew that it was time for her to give of her all. So that she then could show her thanks. And not miss this opportunity. This next sheet says, I will give my all to my marriage and my husband. It doesn't appear that Mary had one of those. It doesn't appear that Mary had anybody special in her life besides Lazarus and her sister Martha. For whatever reason that might have been, she did not have somebody whom she would go to at the end of the night and call her husband. Somebody who she could share intimate moments with. She didn't have that at all. All she had was kinspeople and fellow disciples and this Jesus. In fact, we're pretty sure that she did not have a husband because this was scandalous enough for her to do as a single woman. 
Had she been a married woman, Judas Iscariot would have revolted even more at this. But she didn't have anybody. She didn't have anybody to give her all to. Some of you might feel the same way tonight. That you don't have anybody that you can give your all to. That you don't have somebody special that you can give everything to. And yet Mary found a way that she could give of her all. And so can you. This person in the next sheet says, I will give my all to be the best Christian that I can be. I will give up my annoyances, my anger, and my hurt, and my disbelief in order to live a Christian life. I will live to turn the other cheek instead of, as we're often encouraged to do, seeking retribution of my own. I will be the person God created me to be. And I will give up all other expectations except His. If you think about this story and Mary's place in this story, you can certainly imagine that there was one point in this story where she was certainly prone to at least annoyance, if not anger. When this pious Judas, this guy who was stealing out of the money bag anyway, this pious looking Judas looks at what she has done and says, Why did you do this? Why didn't you just sell that? And then we could have given the money to the poor after I take my service fee. To the poor. You can imagine how hurt to her core she must have been. Letting herself be this vulnerable, be this exposed, and then to have some pious you-know-what look at her and say, well, you're not doing this right. You're not giving of your all in the correct manner. Here, let me show you how to do it. So often we get stuck in doing that sometimes to other people. Where we tell other people that what they do isn't good enough. That what they do isn't enough, perhaps. What they do isn't something that God really wants. And sometimes we do have to point that out if it's a sin. But if it's not then we need to allow others to give of their all. To allow others to show their love for this Savior that we have. I will give of my all, says the next sheet. I will give of my all to helping people who cannot help themselves. And that's what Jesus says at the end of this verse. He says, You will always have the poor. You will always have those who cannot help themselves. You will always have people in your life who you know could use some help. Who can't do it on their own. 
who could use you to give of your all, and maybe not even of your all, but maybe just a little bit, would help their lives out so dramatically. I had an experience just the other day where I met a blind student and we were talking and uh, we were talking about the way that he gets around and uh, you of course know that blind students they always have these sticks that they walk around with those white sticks but what I didn't realize is that there is somebody who gets together with blind students here at Florida State University and marks out safe pathways for them safe pathways where they can actually use their sticks so that they can get through this campus without putting themselves in danger. These unsung heroes that nobody seems to know about except for the blind students that rely on them so much. And there's so many other places where people can use help just right around the corner that perhaps you've been missing this whole while until you get into a conversation with somebody and you see that the need is there. Lastly, this person writes, I will give my all. Well, wish I could, wish I would. But as an elemental aspect of our humanity, we fall short of ever giving my all. Thank God for forgiveness. And that's what it really boils down to tonight and in this story of Lent that we have. Tonight is the last time that we gather together on a Wednesday evening. Next week we gather on Thursday to celebrate the Seder meal, to celebrate what would have looked like Jesus' last Passover with His disciples. And then we gather together once again on Good Friday to see our Lord in His passion, in His anguish upon that cross. And then we gather again on Sunday after that And we gather to celebrate the victory that He won for us on the cross. All of those things pointing to one very clear statement. We can never give enough. Even if we did give our all, we still could not give enough. Not that we really do give our all. It seems that no matter when we look at our lives, it appears that we're never giving all that we could. And Jesus Christ knew that that was who we were and who we are. Jesus Christ knew that we could never give enough to make atonement for the sins that we've committed. He knew that we were stuck. That we were stuck to be ashamed just like Mary was ashamed when Judas was pointing the finger at her. Ashamed of our sins, ashamed of our very beings, ashamed of the things that we've done and the pasts that we've lived.
and for some of us even ashamed of what the future might hold. Yet, He came because He knew that we couldn't do it all. He even came for those who were like Judas, pointing that hypocritical finger at other people, hoping that they won't see how dirty you are really deep down inside. He came for them too. He came for you too if you feel the sting of that in your heart. He came to give of His all. To give of His body. To give of His blood. To give of His time. To give of His very life so that you could live a life where you're constantly seeking to show Him what more you can do. To give Him thanks, to give Him praise, and to realize that it will never be enough, but it was enough with Him. Amen.